Hi everyone, Trish Lambert here. Wanted to just uh, let you know in advance of this episode that we will be ending very abruptly. You'll hear the music come up and pretty much right in the middle of my saying something, Corey will give you his usual sign-off. The reason is because we've split off the last part of this episode into what we're calling the bonus pronunciation guide. In response to a question from one of the listeners, Corey went through a really nice explanation of uh, Tolkien's pronunciation of the names in The Hobbit and also Lord of the Rings and elsewhere. So I wanted you to have that as a separate um, recording as opposed to having to find it buried in this one. So just to let you know, it's uh, it's not your recording. That's actually how it's supposed to be, and we promise we'll be a little bit more smooth with the ending next time. Anyway, enjoy. else is listening to the who may have stumbled upon this podcast um, my name is trish lambert and i am standing in for the regular co-host laura burkholz uh today uh to give you these the riddles in the dark supererogatory episode four where we will be going over all of the siege episodes of riddles in the dark which are um episodes 3.06 uh 3.06 3.07 and 3.08 and with me is the illustrious Tolkien professor Corey Olson. Hello, Corey. Hi. Sorry, I'm just distracted trying to think of who exactly would fit into the third category. You've got <laughs> listeners, fans, and well, you know, uh, people who are post- being subjected to this podcast against their will, I guess. By their, by their spouses. Innocent friends. bystanders who happen to be near someone who is playing it loud and it's bleeding out of their earbuds. That's uh, right. That's right. Anyway, right. greetings to all those people, too. Every time we produce one of these episodes, we do put keywords into the iTunes feed, you know. So, right. I mean, it could be somebody who put a keyword in, like Nazgul, but you see, know, and ran see, across. But, but, that's right, yeah. You know, one of those many people who, who daily scans the podcast list, right. just hoping for a exactly. hit for Nazgul, you know, when they type that exactly. in. Exactly. <laughs> and actually, for Riddles in the Dark 3.06, I'm expecting it's somebody who actually entered ROAC. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, part of the growing international uh, fan club of Roak the Raven. Uh, absolutely, right. yes. Yeah, Roak! Yeah. I think, you know, actually, Team Roak shirts would be really good in preparation for <laughs> Film 3. You know, then oh, we can all, then we can oh, all we wear should. them when we march on Wellington if, uh, if Roak right. is, in fact, uh, Or we should, we should omitted. do this and so, that, so that by the time the movie opens, there's, a, there's like a, a groundswell of people who have these shirts and they wear them into the theaters and people are like... What is that? What does that mean? What's and, Team Roak? Right. In fact, we have to get them quick so that Dave and Kim can uh, wear them to Comic-Con. <gasps> At Comic-Con. You know? Oh, yeah. my gosh. Well, I should run out. You know, I can get, like, T-shirt transfers that you iron on. I can design <laughs> something. Right. I can just send it really quick to Kim, to Kim and to Dave That's right. for Comic-Con. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. yeah. Kim, can you, like, hold up a sign that says Roak lives, as Brian Biggs is suggesting here? or or or, or Team Roak or something, you know? Uh, 
And this um, could be a total, the marketing, marketer in me is totally like turned on because people will see those shirts and they'll be, you know, Dave and Kim can say, well, you know, you could order your own. And here's the <laughs> that's right. You know, that's awesome. We can make <laughs> right. millions. And then we will, we will see how, 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 how deep in fact, uh, 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 Tolkien Enterprises has drilled down and see whether they have bothered to trademark Roach or not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out, would we not? I apologize for the dogs barking, by the way. The horses have decided to stampede out in the pasture, and the dogs are... I see. On, so I see. Yeah, no problem. It's just another day in Roscobel over there. Just another day in Roscobel, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I named my property in, in, in Vinyatar, meaning the renewer, but I should have named it Roscobel. I really should have. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it always reminds me of. Yeah. That's right, that's right. Yeah. All right, well, let's jump into this. Okay. Um, so we'll start off with Riddle 3.06, and Riddle 3.06 was um, how will Thorin summon Dian and the dwarves of the Iron Hills? And the choices were, A, a raven or other kind of bird, um, B, a subset of the dwarves will go fetch Dian, C, Dian and his people will come without summons, D, the Arkenstone will signal loyal dwarves to their king, and E, are ubiquitous, none of the above. All three of us voted A. And I don't remember why I voted A. I think it's because the others just didn't seem right to me. <laughs> or maybe that or you were so Well, were it's so it's, it's all about Roach here. Yeah. I mean, I uh I, I actually have a sinking suspicion that D is what's actually going to happen, but uh but I am really? Oh yeah. yeah. But I'm absolutely just sold out on uh on Roach here. I'm I'm uh, I'm all in uh on on so you think, like, for Dian, Team Roach. Like, has a chip in his brain, right? And the Arkenstone activates the chip in his brain. His Arkenstone, his Arkenstone goes off. You know, I, I don't know, man. Like it, it's sort of <laughs> the, the, as far as I can see. You know, the Arkenstone could be anything. You know, it's like fixing to be part I Ring know. of Power, part Silmaril, and part Palantir. You know, I, I, that's I, true. So I, it, yeah. Who knows? I mean, and you know, in, in it, Jackson's it, world, it could be anything he wants it to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's. It, 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 I mean, and very little would surprise me at this point. You know, I mean, like, uh, is it going to make like a little, uh, a little flickering image of Thorin appear in the Iron Hills and say, like, you know, help me, Dwarves of the Iron Hills. You're, you're, you're my only, you're my hope. only hope. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, you know, would I be shocked? I wouldn't be shocked. You know, I don't know. Um, but um, but anyway, so you know, apart from the, but but as I've said, uh, in season three, I'm going to pursue. I'm going to to fearlessly pursue uh, the uh, the the strict policy of choosing what I believe to be awesome rather than what I choose to be likely. Which so might be like, right. Yeah. Well, actually, the, the listeners agreed with us. We had fifty six percent of the listeners. Well, went with a. I mean, so. Roak is just so obvious. Now, you know, so I, it's you know to me the bigger question. I, I actually, I really do believe it likely that there are going to be ravens involved. You know, so I, I think that uh, that's. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm fully expecting, not just hoping, but expecting to see ravens. Will I hear them speak? I'm less sure. Will I hear him introduce himself? I am even less sure of that. But you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Will he be bald? Boy, do I hope so. But. Actually, Adam Parsons made a really good comment with this. And in fact, that's the next thing that okay. I've got teed up here. So let me yeah. go with that. Yeah. He says, oh, and by the way, I just want to acknowledge the folks, those of you that have sent comments in have done awesome comments. 
really long, well thought through stuff, and I had excerpted. So, I mean, if you hear your name and you wonder where the heck did the rest of my entry go, you know, it could this could be a five hour podcast, which I'm sure you wouldn't mind, but really, <laughs> right, a line has to be drawn. And also, I would I would also just mention off the top here, just to remind people, um, we have established a new set of uh, discussion forums. Um, oh, right, uh, on the Mythgard page, and one of them is dedicated to Riddles in the Dark. So, if you have a comment, especially if you have a longer comment, you know, what I mean, if you really really want to get something off your chest, you know, and you have a you have an extended theory that you would like to float to people, you can send that to us by email, of course, and you know, we'll get it, and 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 we may be able to. Talk talk about it uh, in the episode and stuff. Um, but if you really want to share that with people and have people be able to see your full thing, as Trish says, we're not going to be able to read like the full text of everybody's comments. Um, by all means, you know, log into the, the MythGuard page. You do have to create a login the first time. Um, but, uh, um, but, but then you can, you can log in after that and you can, and you can post it uh, on the forum and then other listeners can watch it. And of course, as all discussion forums are, you know, it's kind of, these things always take a little while to, uh, uh, to sort of build momentum. Um, but, uh, but I, I, that's why I want to remind people again, uh, especially for the folks that used to, when we used to have the comments activated on WordPress, you know, and we'd have good, some good conversations. This discussion forum will allow that once more. Yes. So. Jeez Louise. I don't know what's going on. For some reason, in this 90-some degree weather, the horses have decided to just tear around the pasture like crazy. I have no idea. Maybe somebody got stung by a bee or something. I don't know. (laughs) All manner of excitement over there on the the eaves of Mirkwood. You know, and usually it's quiet as, you know, a church in here. (laughs) As soon as I get on, and and where it's outside, I figured I was safe. But anyway, sorry, guys. Yeah, that's okay. Okay. My so children Adam are probably says, going to be doing the same thing uh, soon, too. You know? yeah. So you have sound effects. That's right. You have some yeah. sound effects, too. Okay. So Adam says, with regard to Roak, I believe there will be messengers from Lake Town fairly soon after Smaug's death. Perhaps even the Lake Town dwarfs themselves, who tells Thorin that Smaug is dead. This could be the armies arriving, also. And whilst this alters slightly how it might work, ultimately I think the net result can still be achieved. Regardless, at some point, now or earlier, Thorin will send message, a, a message to Dian saying the dragon is dead, that he has retaken Erebor, and that it is undefended, perhaps even also besieged. And I think our raven or ravens get a cameo here to deliver a message to Dian requesting aid as closest as closest and family. He says, I mean, and I love this, I mean, come on, tell me you can't see Balin on a balcony or some such as the raven caws and alights next to him. And he says, I know these birds. They were the messengers of Thor, etc., yes. etc. Yeah. Totally. Diane is bound to get this message introducing him early in the film, which which is also a very good point, yes. which also helps avert the usual calls of Deus Ex Machina that we get from Tolkien critics. Diane may pull a face, leave it open to debate whether he will answer the call, if suspense is the thing they are building, or if they are already besieged, she may cry, mount up your piggies. <laughs> oh, I hope so. <laughs> but I think he's made some really good points, but I totally could see that. Balance like, oh, yes, these I recognize these birds. Yes. These are the royal ravens of Erebor. Absolutely. No, it, that would be that would be really easy uh to do. Um and and you're right. I absolutely can imagine. Uh I mean, I, Adam is right. I can absolutely imagine, you know, film Balin um delivering that uh that oh. line. Um and um and I you know, I, I think that's a really neat point too about introducing Dan early in the film because um, that I think is um, uh, um, that I think is 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 a uh, a really important thing to do. I mean, it's certainly true. We're not going to want him just coming absolutely out of nowhere. We've had a little bit of an anticipation of this, um, you know, with uh, them calling for you know Thorin 
calling for aid and not receiving it at the beginning of the first film. Um, but, um, but yeah, now the other thing to remember, uh, and, and I'm thinking Brian Biggs is thinking along the same direction I am. Brian says, I can see birds going independently to spread the word of Smaug's demise. They've already called attention to birds on several occasions. Exactly, Brian. That's what I was just thinking of, too. In particular, of course, I'm remembering Owen uh, and his comment at the unexpected party um, about the uh, birds gathering back to the mountain right. and how this was explicitly pointed to as one of the foretold omens um, uh, that, you know, presaged the destruction of the dragon and um you know at the time i was fascinated by that line because of the way in which it really foregrounded from the very beginning really much earlier on in the story than happened in the book this sort of supernatural um you know uh, destiny you know the prophecies of and and and, and destiny right. angle of the hobbit which had been one of my biggest questions going into film 1 are they going to downplay that or you know are are they going to omit that that's that generally happens it was right. downplayed very strongly in the rankin bass version for instance um right. but you know when the when the you know the the sun beam on the keyhole was made into a purely astronomical phenomenon with that stonehenge like stone with the keyhole notch in it um right Anyway, in film one, they strongly didn't do that, and instead they um, uh, they they played it up even more, which was which I I liked. I thought that that was really appropriate. Um, but of course, I was also thinking, well, naturally, this sets up the thrush, uh, and I was thinking of the ravens and the thrush. Of course, as soon as they set that up, we've already had the thrush, and what's more, we had the thrush returning to the mountain. You know, when it flew by them at the Carrick and um, and and got to the lonely mountain in about five minutes, as far as we could tell, and then uh, you know started knocking its uh, you know started knocking its snail against the stone. Um, I. I was thinking at the time when Owen said that, that it was setting up the greater role of the thrush, which has not panned out and which we no longer, ex- you know, from our, based on our previous conversations, we don't really expect any longer the thrush to, uh, uh, to have his role of speaking to Bard. Um, even though again, at the time in film one, I was thinking that that might be what was being set up, um, there. But in any case, just to just to, you know, I, I I do think we do have lots of reasons for this. So you know, Brian, could they could you know could we get birds spreading the word about Smaug's death? I think that's possible. Radagast might hear about it, um, and we certainly have precedent for that. You know, we've we've already had somebody having a bird whispering into his ear. That was another thing. The combination of Owen's comment and the fact that um, that uh, you know that image of Radagast sitting there with the bird sitting on his shoulder whispering into his ear. Um, well, not whispering, but tweeting into his ear, um, was another thing that was that made me think. Oh my goodness! Like we're going to get the thrush, right? Like, clearly, this is like a setup for the thrush. Um, you know, now we're a little more doubtful, but um, but uh, but we still could get something something along those directions. Certainly, again, the the anticipation of that uh, has still has still happened. So, you know, I, I do certainly think that that's uh, that that's possible. But yeah, the the so I mean I am still one hundred percent pro Raven here. Yeah. Absolutely. Well and, and it's interesting actually, Tim Fisher 
uh, wrote on the on discussion board an interesting point, which is uh, he said, I've got I've received my copy from Weta of Hobbit Chronicles four cloaks and daggers about set dressing props and costumes in the first two movies. And he's and he said that he's noted that there are numerous images of ravens worked into the designs. For example, the genealogy genealogy tapestry of the line of Durin Durin uh-huh. and also on Thryon's armor, Thor's belt, Thor's shield, they all have prominent raven motifs. And then in the text, in some notes in the book, um, it's written, like Thor's, Thryon's armor have raven motifs in it, an homage to the relationship the dwarves of Erebor shared with the ravens of the mountain. So this is in the Weta book. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean ravens are going to be in the movie, because I could see the designs being almost like Easter eggs. Right. I mean, it's it's not a guarantee. Yeah, I mean, goodness knows there's lots of precedent, you know, with the Lord of the Rings films and the Hobbit films for, you know, people designing sets and and, and, and costuming and props and stuff to be doing lots of research and careful thinking and for them to include details um, drawn from the books, which never really work their way into the plot or the narrative. Um, So I agree with you, that doesn't prove it, Um, but certainly it does show that the, you know, Obviously, Peter Jackson hasn't made a positive decision to, uh, you know, remove ravens from the picture entirely. So it's it's hopeful. It's hopeful, you know. And actually, I would kind of combine Tim's comment with Adam's and say, I think that it's even possible, not only that the ravens are going to be there, but that a kind of a big deal might be made of it. You know, I mean, if it's, if, if, if the ravens are going to be seen as a kind of symbol of sovereignty, not the same kind of symbol of sovereignty that the Arkenstone obviously is, but, you know, for that to be accepted by Thorin and the rest of the dwarves as like a, a kind of a portent or confirmation of the reestablishment of the kingdom and, uh, you know, and, and, and Thorin's right to rule that, you know, when the dragon leaves and there they are standing and, you know, they've driven the dragon from the hall. And, you know, we've talked about this, the, the, uh, the, the, dyna- the, the way in which the dynamic has been changed by having the dwarves having driven Smaug from the hall rather than just having him left. Um, but anyway, there they've driven the dragon from the halls and he's gone off and died. And now, you know, Thorin is, is, has reclaimed the hall of his fathers. And then the ravens come to do him homage. I would think that he and Balin and the other dwarves would all see that as, as a really meaningful sign, as, as a really meaningful omen, at the very least. If not an actual, um, you know, because remember in the book it does the same thing. I mean, Roach, the relationship between Roach and... Uh, uh, and the and the you know the line of the kings um, is a is a long standing one and um, and it's 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 part of his um, it's one of really one of the only things that Thorin does which is sort of in a way like the reassertion of his kingship um, the only other thing that he does prior to the battle. Um, that really that really reasserts himself as king is essentially building a gate. Uh, it's 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 like a bad thing, honestly. Um, you know the the building the gate that he can defend. You know the wall across the right. gates uh, that he can defend and setting himself up. Um, you know as 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 sort of lord de facto or or um, you know by force. 
Um, but anyway, I, it's, I, I certainly think there is a there is a there is a, a really there are some really great potentials uh, for mm-hmm. the films to take advantage of the raisin of the ravens the raisins, raisins. As, as the, raisins. <laughs> the raisins the California raisins yeah the ravens as a I symbol sorry th- that's my uh, son's sorry. fault um, my uh, <laughs> well my uh, my son uh, Matthias who is six. Um, has uh, in 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 football uh, called the Baltimore Ravens the Baltimore Raisins for several Raisins. years uh, <laughs> because their 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 it. uniforms Rowan are purple, Raisin. and we used to live down there, so like they were the local team, and everybody cheered for them. And so he always thought it was really funny to call them the Baltimore Raisins. So I now like mix those words well, up all the time. You let Matthias yeah. know. I agree. I think it's very funny. And it's even funnier applied to Roak, I think. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay, anyway. So, yeah, there's much potential there uh, in the film. And I'm... I am convinced that I am not just deluding myself. That, and, and I'm glad to hear from Tim that, you know, the fact that they are using it uh, as a recurring motif uh, in the design gives is certainly hope. promising. It's certainly promising. Gives us hope. Yeah. That ca- coupled with Adam's, you know, theory of, of the Balin on the, the balcony. You know, yeah, absolutely. Balcony. Absolutely. And, and, and remember, Balin was the one who was, who was, you know, close to Roak before. He was the one who, you know, who, who was recognized. But, you know, it's Balin and Thorin, you know, the two old ones. Who are who are recognized by name by Roak? So, right, right. Um, so yeah, absolutely, right. absolutely. All right, so now we're going to shift gears for our final comment for this episode from Philip Menzies. Um, if if the listeners recall, in this episode we discussed whether or not they would be singing a song. The dwarves would be singing a song in Erebor to cheer up Thorin, and um, so Philip. Uh, response by saying, I disagree with Corey's assessment that if a celebratory song is sung in Erebor, it would need to be a new song, different to the Misty Mountains song the dwarves sing at Bag End. During an unexpected journey, this theme was used many times in many different scenes, evoking many different emotions. It goes from the original song, sung version of a lament, to adventurous, to heroic when they're with the trolls, wistful and the ultimate heroic version, and to the pop song at the very end, which kind of has versions i guess of it it is amazing how a simple melody can be presented in so many different variations just by changing the tempo the key and the arrangement i think it's very feasible to present this song as a victorious theme even with instruments because he he also said in the part a part that i cut out if you know that that they could like in the book pull instruments off the pile right which is didn't they do that right. in the book um whether it is probable is another matter he says so right. i just thought that was interesting <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, certainly, um, you know, I don't want to underestimate what Howard Shore is 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 able to do there. <laughs> and especially, you know, it, it, he's also right to say, um, and I hadn't really been thinking of it in those terms, that this is the fact that we get, you know, this, uh, you know, this, this sort of redux version of the song at the end of the story, right. you know, provides this golden opportunity for Howard Shore, right? You know, I mean, right, right. since what he's been doing all the way through, as Philip points out, what he does, especially in film one, is, you know, to take the melody of their song and use that as a motif, you know, and, and, and shift it in different ways. So the way that, you know, the, the idea of actually having that song reemerge at the end, but to have been transformed by their journey. And now the song is a different, is, is, is sort of the same theme, but now presented in a totally different way right, is right. a really attractive idea. I mean, it is. My problem is that I still have a hard time picturing it because it would, in order for it to be sung, that is not just for it to be an orchestral, you know, theme, 
right. in the background, but for it to be um, for it to be actually sung again, um, you couldn't. I mean, you'd have to change. You know, I mean, maybe you just change the tempo. Um, maybe they just change the tempo and the key, and they keep the same a one, tune. And a two, and a <laughs> right, right. <laughs> this time, upbeat, caliente. Let's go, everybody. You know, yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, they pull an accordion off the pile and they do the polka version. Who knows? Um, but you know, yeah, it's it's like I'm not saying I can't. It's, I'm not saying it's musically impossible. And I can imagine if it if it is done. Um, I mean, I would almost love for it. I, I, I would almost. I mean, this that really kind of. I guess. Uh, I, you know, I would. I would. I would even count that in my what is awesome rather than what is likely thing. It would be awesome if they did that. But it's hard for me to imagine um, the because it would have to be sung again. Like you'd have to get the dwarf singing it again to instruments, and maybe they do. Maybe they. You know it. It would be cool. I mean, I, you know, I'm kind of getting into it, picturing it. I can see it happening. I just would be a little surprised. Um, yeah, that's like he said at the very end. You know, it just you know whether it's probable is another matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it will be interesting to see that. But for conundrum, for the conundrum for this episode, we are returning back to Roak. Oh, I just rhymed. Um, <laughs> so the conundrum for this episode is: Will Roak by name appear in movie three? So a raven could show, but will will it will we will he be named Ro- will we actually have Roak by name? What yep. Do you think? Absolutely. Yep, yes, huh? <laughs> no doubt. No doubt that that is what would be awesome. I I really like your sort of reach for the stars because if you at least if you miss you hit the moon. You know I mean it. See I, the, that kind of like optimism. I just think it's so refreshing this is why i love um this is why i love doing the analysis separate you know it's like just on last friday when i was talking about the way that you know how how much i like the fact that this year we're formally separating the speculation phase from the analysis phase you know i like doing uh i like doing analysis of course you know i enjoy doing interpretation of what's there but I really don't enjoy what seems to me the kind of soulless speculation based only on, like, let us analyze every way that we can, everything yes, that gets yes. dropped by them, and, 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 and yeah. like, you know, try to conclude what's really there. Like, yeah. if really your only goal is just to say, like, to try to figure out in advance what's actually going to be in the film, like, if that's really all you're doing... I just find that a really dull, frankly. I, I mean, I'd rather just wait and watch the film. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. You know, thinking about what's there and doing analysis of the of the actual movie is fun. Um, thinking about the adaptation process and 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 imagining what, what the movie what could, could be, be right. is it, you know is fun. But just a like, you know, gathering Picking the, apart every vlog and every still and every. Yeah, I mean it's it's fun to analyze them for themselves, but yeah, if your only goal is just to be like, let's try to let's try to predict what is most likely actually to be in the film, but I, I mean, I don't know. I just like I'd rather wait well, for the I film. I think it will. I think it'll be fun. I mean, I think once we're done with our game, you know, and then we're going, we go back, and by that time the trailer will be out, and who knows what else will be out. It'll be fun right. to talk about that stuff. Yeah, but exactly. We'll be able to do it outside the context of the game, which I think you're absolutely right about. Exactly. By the way, the poll is open. 
That's poll right. is open. If anybody, we have 13% have voted so far of the eight of you. Yes, we have, yes, we have a small live contingent today because of our spontaneous, uh, 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 the spontaneous nature of today's oh, session. Oh, four of you have voted. Oh, oh, we're almost there. We're almost at 100%, I think. 60%. Okay. Oh, boy. And it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, oh, it's a frenzied, uh, oh frenzied voting today. Oh, by the way, I didn't say my answer is no. Not that I don't, I think there will be rave. I think there will be at least a raven, if not ravens, in the movie. I just don't think it's going to be named. I think he'll be named. I know, I know, I know. Okay. I'm a party pooper, but I just. just you know, it's fine. That's oh, fine. Yeah, okay. no, okay. It's, you you can win ran on our parade. It's, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. They might be. You know, I I I if. If folks are listening in on like devices and stuff, they, I don't know. If, I don't know how the polling works. So we might be at seventy-five percent. We might be. What is seventy-five percent of eight? Is what six of you have voted? So there's two that haven't. Um, yeah. <laughs> so this might be. And shall I go ahead and close it? Sure. Yeah, you can go ahead and close it. Um, and it's absolutely down the middle, fifty-fifty. That's right. Okay. Um, oh, I'm just gonna make that. <laughs> oh, Hal, uh, Hal Woodman says to add insult to injury, they will name a giant bat Roach. Yeah, just out of spite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or if or if the Nazgul show up on flying seas, it'll be the Witch King and his steed Roach. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay, let's see. How am I doing? Not great probably you know if laura was here she would have moved us on a long time ago so i'm going to move us on to riddle 3.07 okay shall i do that all right let's do that 3.07 was how will thranduil relate to the men of lake town with regard to the siege and the uh the choices are a as a wise and benevolent and passive supporter which is the book answer b as an active ally on equal terms C, as the clear general of the combined army, or D, the two armies arrive at Erebor independently. So Corey and I both said D, that we think the two armies will arrive at Erebor independently. Dave believed that Thranduil will actually clearly be the, the general, the leader of both armies. And listeners, let's see, listeners, 2% actually went with the book answer, A. Um, 24% went with B as an active ally on equal terms. 34% were C, that agreed with Dave, and 38% uh, were D agreed with Corey and I. So it was, uh, other than A, it was a pretty even yeah, split across the other split three answers. The last three. You know? Yeah. So um, let me go in. This is, we only really had one comment specifically to this, um, to this, but I think it's enough of a comment to get us talking for a little bit. Um, Gerald Michael said, regarding getting the elf army moved out, at some point, he's, he's, this is what he thinks, at some point, Thranduil will ask where Legolas is. Pointing <laughs> elf will point toward Lake Town and say, he went that way, Kimosabe. No, he went that way, sire. You know, which yeah. he's pointing elf. Yay, right. another credit, right, for yeah. this third movie. Thranduil will be horrified and gather his army to rescue Legolas from the trouble Thranduil sees coming. That will put the elf army in the vicinity of Lake Town when Smaug attacks. It may also be the mechanism by which Legolas gets out of the trap Volg appears to be leading him into. Really? Oh, anyway, that was that was a sidebar by me. Being close by, Thranduil goes to Lake Town, makes whatever deal with whomever is in charge, and the combined force then, go to, then goes to Erebor. This way, Thranduil arrives at Lake Town very sp- soon after Smaug dies, so it won't take much screen time. Which is a really good point, actually. Yes. You know. Yes, it's you true. You sound dubious. <laughs> um, well, see, I still am not at all clear. Um, I'm not clear in my own mind either about what I want to happen or what I think will happen about how exactly Thranduil gets up there. 
Um, I, I mean, I, th- I see still lots of really, you know, several really live possibilities. Um, I think it's, a, it's such a vexed question, really. It is. Given how clear he is about being in isolation. In exactly. Game. Exactly. So you can't... I, I have a really hard time seeing Thranduil doing what he does in the book. That is just... Uh, basically going up to the Lonely Mountain because he's like, hey, and the, the dragon's dead, so like, there's loot to be had. Let's go, people. Um, right. I, that's the, I mean, it's not admirable, but that's what he does. He's going to loot the mountain uh, right. in the book. Um, now, again, in his, uh, in his defense, um, you know, one has to point out that he you know, sidetracks from looting the mountain in order to help the people of Lake Town. When so, like, when there is a humanitarian cause that arises, he puts the humanitarian cause before you know his uh, his profiteering mission. But it's still a profiteering mission uh, in its uh, in its in its origin. It's really hard for me to imagine, especially under these circumstances. Um, he doesn't need to know that an orc army has already marched out of Dol Guldur to know there is big trouble. Um, right. You know, he knows he's, that he's Sauron already, is yeah. returned. From and, that orc, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't, want to, he doesn't want to believe it, but he's heard that. So he's not going to, under those circumstances, be like, well, Sauron may have returned, orc armies are probably mustering. However, like, let us just, like, la-di-da, go out and, like, loot I the mountain. I have a necklace in that mountain, and by God, I'm going to go get it. Exactly, right. That's really <laughs> hard for me to see. Maybe he does that, but it's really hard. Um, yeah. I, this is one of the reasons why I am increasingly liking... Uh, wasn't it Dave who suggested the uh, uh, the orcs go north yes. and sack the um, sack, you know yeah. And refugees. Yeah, yeah, we we get like Nargathron Redux there, you know, at, right, at right. The, except without the dragon. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I I like it. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of like that idea. That that certainly would get Thranduil moving, um, and uh, and would be a really nice. Um, it would be. I, it's, there's so many ways in which I like that. In fact, increasingly, I'm I'm I am arriving on that as my favorite um, as my favorite option. Well, you know, for me, I'm kind of looking ahead to uh, Fellowship of the Ring, where I, you know, not only of course do we have Legolas showing up at, the, at, at Elrond's, but I think um, do they do talk in the movie as well, don't they, about how there's fighting going on up in the, the Elven Kingdom. Uh, I mean, I know they do it in the book, but they do it in the movie too, don't they? Um, that, that doesn't Legolas actually say in the movie that he has come for like support or whatever reason? I uh, can't remember that actually. I can't either. I need to watch. I need to watch that part of the movie again. Yeah, Maybe somebody on will remember. Um, but I'm thinking if if they have, you know, if if they, um, you know, if if that's there. Thranduil needs to, maybe, and even if it's not there, maybe I'm just making too much of Fellowship of the Ring, I just think that Thranduil has to have a change of heart before the end of movie three. Right. In terms of his, you know, being, you know, to hell with everybody else, let's just close our gates kind of thing. Um, and I'm ca- trying to figure out how that could happen. Um, that's probably one of the main things that I probably have against the refugee idea, because there's really no reason for him to change his mind if he's a refugee. <laughs> well, but see... You know? Well, no, see... But basically, I like that. I like that it's 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 fitting in 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 in, in multiple ways. So, Mister, I'm turning my back on 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 Thorin and the dwarves, um, uh, and not having compassion on them and trying to help them when they were in trouble. Um, decides then basically, 
uh, is going to double down on that decision by saying, oh, this right. is not our fight, let's just hunker down in our caves and hope that we can right. weather the storm instead of going out and helping anybody else um, or trying to, t- trying to band together with other people to take proactive you know, measures or something. Um, so as a consequence, then, you know, the chickens come home to roost and he's alone and by himself when uh, when the orc army uh, comes through his land and he is driven out and that is what f- is that is basically what makes him recognize the folly of his choices um, you know and that the high-handed way in which he has treated his neighbors and and former allies um, is one of the things which has contributed uh, to uh, you know the the position that they were in and but he doesn't have to have like an instantaneous conversion um, Thing, you know, he can. He would still be proud, and and Thorin would probably not be very gracious, and would probably rub his face in it in ways that would that would make Thranduil more upset. But see, again, those things could still be reconciled, and we could still afterwards have a like, yes, like now we're all on the same page. Let us agree, like you know, after all of the sufferings that all of our peoples have been through, let us like make a new world together and be allies from henceforward. That conversation I could imagine happening after the Battle of Five Arms. Um, so, I mean, basically, seeing seeing the elves getting kicked out of Mirkwood temporarily as a you know sort of the the beginning of the process of change in Thranduil's mind. Because I agree with you, I would expect a change of heart um, from Thranduil at some point. But what's it going to be? You know, I mean, right, when's it going right. to happen? Um, well, and, and and actually, what you're pointing to also, I mean, I was thinking that the change of heart would simply be with regard to you know, being an ally, you know, being cooperative, but you right. know, he'd still be a jerk versus what you just brought up, whether you meant to or not, in my mind was more of a Scrooge like transformation. Right. Where he really makes a transformation into, you know, I see the light and oh my gosh, you know, I've been terrible and now I'm going to be good. You know, but another thing that I think of, uh, Tranduil could, could die in movie three. Is there any reason why we need him to live in, in movie three? Well, it would make Legolas's uh, trip with the company a little bit irresponsible. Uh, well, I did think about that. Yeah, that you know. He, well, you know, so he leaves somebody in. He leaves pointing elf in charge. That's right. Pointing or elf. No, show them the way. There's no Mirkwood anymore. You know, I mean, if there has been really a. Yeah. I don't know, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't know. I just that's a little out there for me. He's still introduced as the son of the the king of Mirkwood, and he I is, think there'd be a film continuity oh, thing. Um, that's true. Well, I was just thinking because, you know, we have that picture that actually I think we've seen since the first season of, well, when they started to, to talk about Bard, which I guess was in the in the lead up to movie two. Yeah. Photo of he and Legolas talking. And like I said to you earlier, you know, I hadn't looked until now, but there are definitely tents in the background with men moving around. Right. So it's got to be during the siege. And I don't know, you know, I just kind of spun with that a little bit and thinking to myself, so, you know, why are Bard and Legolas talking instead of Bard and Thranduil talking? But uh, maybe Thranduil's not there. Um, that's the other thing. I mean, maybe Thranduil doesn't go. Maybe he stays in Mirkwood. Maybe Legolas goes to war, or goes to see, goes to the siege. I mean, he'd I, have I, to. No, I'm really, no, I'm really getting crazy. I know. I mean, maybe you know. Okay, all right. Let's 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 see how how <laughs> how that would work. Let's 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 run with this for a second. Legolas comes back, right? 
he comes back and he's like, dude, there are orcs in Lake Town. Like, something big is going on. This place is going to be overrun. And if we just sit here doing nothing, then, like, this entire region is going to burn down around us. And even if they don't come into our caves, then, like, we're going to be, we'll be isolated. like, in the, mil- in the middle of a, you know, like, the, the it's like everything is going to be like the desolation of the dragon and us continuing to live underneath it. Do you want to live in that world? I don't want to live in that world. Toriel has so convinced me that this is our fight. So, like I'm going and and so Legos just says like you know I'm going to help the you know the men and the and the, and the, you know there are people trying to stand up against this evil and I'm going to go fight with them uh, you know come with me who will and uh, like a bunch of the elves go with him and some stay with Randul. Um so well, we or, get or, uh, actually schism. another good point is Randul may, uh, may that's true or may initially say no I'm not going and then show up later. That's on his own terms yeah. or something, yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. You know, like he has second thoughts and, and decides to go. It's, anyway. That I, would, yeah, there, uh, there's that, so many ways this could play out. That is an interesting thing with, uh, with uh, or thinking of Legolas and Bard, you know, amongst the tents yeah. there, as you were describing. Maybe Legolas is with them and Thranduil shows up independently later on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really funny because I, I can't help myself but caption that photo. And I've, I wish I had it. I wish I had pulled it up so we could show it and I, I, if y'all find it you know you'll know what I'm talking about but the caption that I keep coming up with is the way Bard is looking at Legolas I swear the caption is like are your eyes really that blue I mean are, <laughs> are those really those artificial are you wearing lenses <laughs> that's kind of the look Bard's got on his face <laughs> plus you know Legolas's eyes look so weird Anyway, so, yeah, so I, I, like I said, this is the one uh, comment, but it opens up a lot of conversations. I mean, this is one part of the movie I'm going to be really interested in seeing how they deal with Thranduil's, you know, attitude and then how he ends up, how the elves end up getting to to Erebor. I just, I just, there's just so many ways it could happen and Jackson hasn't really given us much to go by. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you saw movie two, and didn't know anything about the books, and somebody said, "Do you think you know Thrand will end up at Erebor?" I think a person would say, "No way! I don't see that. Right? How could that happen? Right? Anyway, right. all right. Well, let's move on. Speaking of which, let's move to the conundrum. Actually, hang on a second. Okay. Oh, are you finding it? Do you have access? Oh, there you did. Oh, you did good. There it is. See what I mean about? See what I mean? See what I mean? Isn't that a great caption? Yeah. Those yeah. Are really real. <laughs> right. <laughs> he does look a little mystified staring into his eyes. By there. Those eyes. And those eyes are really eerie looking too. So, you know, yeah. I can tell me there's a... But those are mainly men. I don't see any elves in the background there. They're all men. Yeah, and is so it just me or Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Those are all those that's this is this is Legos among the people of Lake Town, clearly. Right. Right. Um and there are trees there. Here, the is... trees in the background also suggest this is on the shores of the lake. This is not the desolation of the dragon. Look oh, at the grass. Oh, that's a good point. So this yeah, can't be so their camp be... in front of in front of the gate. Oh yeah. So it could be post desolation uh, of Lake Town. Yeah, it's got to be like, on the shore. It's got to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just post destruction of Lake Town. It's also interesting to see that uh, Bard seems to go from. Um, uh, from Pirates of the Caribbean uh, to uh, Inigo Montoya, I think, in this film. Uh, well, he also looks like he got wet, doesn't he? Yeah, he yeah, he looks wet? barely dry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think he's... So this has got to be, like, right after right. got off. Right. And, and, and Legolas isn't wearing any battle armor, which I find kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I wonder if he's wearing the same outfit he wore when he fought Bolg. I I'm sh- think. I think he is, but then he's probably so. got sixteen of those outfits. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Probably so. Okay. His hair looks newly done. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, please. Um, <laughs> he, uh, Legolas must always be svelte. He could never look uh, look right. rough like that. But that is interesting. I hadn't thought about the fact that the trees, of course, that would be they yeah. still be in yeah, the, Lake, in the be. region of Lake Town. Yeah. So one wonders then that he is there in advance of any elves. He may have turned around and come back. We've we kind of talked about that, you know, like if he like is on his way to to chase Bolg, and what happens if he's not very far away and he realizes the dragon's attacking? Would he go back? And we had kind of we had kind of said, oh no, that can't happen because given that he never misses, then he'd be the one killing the dragon. Right. Well, yeah. No, I still don't buy it because I think again he's not gonna. Or you know he's he's gonna. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I agree. The one way in which I think that's an issue is the expectation of viewers, you know. Um, right. But uh, in practical terms, they've already established pretty well that only the that's uh, true. the you know the guy. the windless is yeah. able to mm-hmm. damage him. So, mm-hmm. and with the proportions of the dragon, I mean, it would be pretty implausible for a regular arrow to do much damage, uh, right. you know, to a creature, an and armored plus- creature of that size. And, and Bard's going to have to get up on that tower where the windlass is, mm-hmm. where, you know, the timing of Legolas entering, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, this, I'm betting that Legolas shows up after the fact, and he's, you know, like, this is part of him talking to Bard about what's going on now with all of the refugees. Yeah, he, he certainly looks like somebody who has shown up after the fact. He does. <laughs> yes, he doesn't look anywhere near as bedraggled as Bard does. Right. Not that you would expect him to be, as I said, but, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now you got me thinking about Inigo Montoya. Oh my gosh, totally spot on. It does right. Inigo so like that? Oh, okay. Anyway, sorry. Totally. All right. All right. Totally. Okay. All right. Sorry. So, Conundrum three point oh seven. Um, will Thranduil's move toward Erebor reflect a clear change in his isolationist policy? What What we mean by a clear change is it becomes obvious he's had a change of heart. Now it doesn't have to be the Scrooge whole Scrooge change of heart, but it could be right. I will now. It, this now. This is. I realize this is my fight. And he he clearly either states it. Well, I guess he'd have to state it. You know, he clearly in his actions or orders that he gives or what he says, he clearly has now rescinded his isolationist policy. Yeah, that this is not just a like an exception or a like temporary thing or a. Or I'm like, off to get the jewels. I'm right. I'm just going to run an errand here. This is not. Uh, this is, but but yes. This is this is an actual change in his policy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be. And 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 you know we can we could debate as to what, to what extent a change in policy necessitates a change in heart. Um, it, I could right. imagine. I think a situation in which he changes his policy without. Ha- changing could, his yeah, heart, you know, in which he he just sort of feels like you know the uh, you know sort of the calculus of power would indicate that uh, right. uh, you know for you know foraying out is now the right thing to do, and he his heart wouldn't really be different, but like it's the best thing for his people, but he still doesn't really like the dwarves very much. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So polls are open, folks. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Do you think? Do you think that we'll see him? Uh, make like you know, make like an obvious change. Yes. Yes. I mean, no. the other thing is, you know, Jackson could just decide not to even, ex- you know, not to even explain and just have him 
Mark just show up, just kind of like, yeah, kind of really... like Haldir and the and the and the <laughs> Galathrim exactly. and Helm's Deep. Helm's Deep yeah. yeah, like no explanation. He just goes like, you know, of course he would go, kind of thing. You know, I mean, it's totally possible. But I agree with you. I think we will see a change because, you know, that conversation between Tariel and, and Legolas. And, yeah. You know, I mean, I just think we're leading up to that. You'll see the error of his ways. In some yeah, way. and between Legolas and 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 Thranduil after the after Thranduil decapitates the orc, and right. when Legolas decides to break his father's command and go after Toriel, and um, the fact that we have seen this—I mean, there was a lot of dramatic um, emphasis on Thranduil's decision to close the gates. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. that he was sealing off his people. Um, mm-hmm. And so for him to march out with an army, I think it's going to require a real change um, and not just some kind of... Um, I mean, again, an, an, another way in which the answer could be no uh, would be if his policy hasn't changed, but he's just like operating under misinformation. You know, that he doesn't, you uh, know, he, he doesn't realize right. he's marching out to battle. He, you know, he, I, I could imagine some situation in which... Um, you know, he doesn't really expect any trouble. He's not really, you know, he's not he's not taking the fight to the enemy or anything. He's just, uh, you Getting know, out for reconnaissance or something like that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Maybe yeah. going out to, you know, he wants to go after Legolas, and he, he's not going to go alone. So he goes, you know, in arms. Doesn't necessarily bring everybody, but you know, uh, so you know, he and an armed contingent go out to chase after Legolas. That wouldn't be a real change in policy. Um, but I think we're going to see. Starts out, at least when he starts out, um, I mean, I would assume that at least in the beginning, when the dragon, it, right after the dragons died, they would assume that all the dwarves in Erebor have died. Now, that may not last. It may not take them getting up there. I mean, they may see a fire or, you know, they may see something in Erebor that indicates that they're still alive. But at least initially, they're going to, I mean, why would they not assume the dwarves have been killed? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? So he may set out also with that assumption. Again, reconnaissance, not necessarily... He may not necessarily be saying, let's go get the loot, but he may feel the need to go reconnoiter to see what's up kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and, and that wouldn't necessarily be a change in policy. But yeah, I no. just... I, 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 I do think, like, that that business with the sealing of the gates, I think he's... Uh, they made a really big deal out of it. Yeah, I, I think I think I think he's got to really change. Well, and you're right because you know the tutorial Legolas Legolas starts out being on being a daddy's boy. You know, he's on his dad's side, kind yeah. of. You know, and so that's the other way we would see that is you know Legolas then makes the change and then he talks Thranduil into it or whatever. Yeah. But, okay. Well, we've got I've got I'm showing fifty six percent fifty six percent. That's weird. Well, I think that's I think now. yeah I think that's five out of nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, I'm having a late lunch here. Oh, I'm, I'm channeling Dave Kale. Um, so let's see, anybody else want to vote? Going, going, gone. We're going to close her down shortly. Oh, somebody just did. Okay. Two-thirds of you voted. Yeah, okay, see, Chuck says, Thranduil is too much of an elitist uh, actually to want to help men or dwarves. Gandalf will have appeared and forced him to help defeat the orc army. Ah, there's a thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, let's see, Gnome says, I don't see anyone left around Thranduil to change his mind. He either goes after Legolas or after the gold. 
Yes, yes, unless Legolas comes back to fetch him. Yeah, I was thinking Legolas might come back. Um, which is kind of what I would expect to see. I would expect either for the orc army to route him out of the uh, halls, which again, I'm increasingly hoping happens, <laughs> or uh, or uh, that Legolas comes back and, and you know... And both could happen. I mean, he could end up, you know, getting forced out by the orcs, and then somehow or another he and Legolas hook up, and, you know, Legolas talks him into going... Um, for whatever reason, I mean, Tariel might still be in Lake in Lake Town. That might be another reason, you know. Right. Tariel's in Lake Town. Right. Um, okay. Right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and close it um, for yep. now. Um, and, and we're uh, even split again. Show you again. We My split goodness! Again. Look at that. Look at that. And in this case, you and I were a unanimous. That's right. Fifty-fifty. Fifty-fifty. Yes. No. My goodness gracious. Okay. All right. So let's move on to riddle number three point oh eight. Yes. What what does Bilbo do with the Arkenstone? The choices are A gives it to the elves and or men, which is the book answer. B gives it to Thorin or another dwarf. C keeps it. D he never had it. E none of the above. For example, gives it to Gandalf, loses it or it is wrested from him by force. So Corey reluctantly said A, and Dave and I not reluctantly said A. That's right. Um the listeners said 84% said A, 3% B, which is gives it to Thorin, 3% C, keeps it, 0% that he never had it, and 10% something else that we haven't covered. Um, so, let's see. Alex Wilcock, I want to make sure I got the next name right, Alex Wilcock, actually wrote a really nice long piece that kind of combined 3.06 and 3.08, um, and I've, so I've excerpted what I hope are the pertinent, not pertinent, but, you know, like, a good piece of it. Um, he says, it seems obvious that the answer to 3.0a is the book answer A. But as Corey was saying, he just couldn't see how it could possibly be anything else. And as there was such an utterly overwhelming landslide of the vote, 84%, the contrary part of me wanted to come up with something else. And after your own heart, Corey. Absolutely. There's a theory. Not one I believe, but one I like. Okay. This sounds great. I love how this starts. (laughs) Totally with you, Alex. (laughs) Do it. Conditional on the deeply unpopular answer D to 3.06, which is, if you remember back, how is Diane and the Iron Hill dwarves going to be notified? Right. That deeply unpopular answer was the Arkenstone will mystically signal loyal dwarves to join their king. Right, okay. which I just said I actually think might happen. But yeah, okay. I know yep. you do. Yeah. Yep. He, says, so, he says, okay. So, well, and don't remember, don't forget, you can always change your answer before we finalize Hey, the I might do. One, one cool might. thing we get to do is host this show. Except, I am, I, except I'm not going to vote away from Roak, so, you know. Oh, that's true. Can't that's happen. True. That's right. You can't. Yeah. One or the other. I'm not morally committed to the Roak cause. Yes, so, yeah. you cannot. You cannot. That's right. You, can't, yeah. you cannot ab- abandon Roak. Okay, so <laughs> Alex says, okay, so only 4% went for that, but hear me out. The Arkenstone is the claim to the kingship, and without it, none of the other dwarves will come. Right. We knew that back in Bag End... We knew that back in back end. So what's changed? I'll send a message, says Thorne, and I won't send the Arkenstone because I'd never part with it anyway. And as it turns out, I don't have it. So there's no <laughs> evidence I've got it. And absolutely none of my people's armies would come when I asked last time. So if I say I'm very, very nearly got the Arkenstone, <laughs> then I'll have a total change of heart. <laughs> Not totally convincing, is it? So for Diane to come, having refused, there's really only one answer there can be. And 96% of the people are obviously wrong. The Arkenstone gives off a mystical light thingy. Yeah. 
Yes. Peter yes. Jackson often used this big glowing special effects, and therefore it seems very plausible that Thorin will take the Arkenstone, literally claim the throne, and as he sits on it, raises the Arkenstone in the air, and a plume of radiance shoots skywards from the top of the mountain for all to see, including dying miles away. Help me, Dan, <laughs> son of Dan. You're my only hope. Unfortunately, that's also part of the process of his going around the twist. So Bilbo, having found the Arkenstone again into Thorin, realizes that this is all going to end in blood, and so this is the point at which he becomes a burglar indeed. In other words, he oh, steals so, it so from, he takes it back. Yeah. He steals it from so, Thorin. So basically, Alex ends his note by saying, in other words, who, who finds the Arkenstone first is immaterial. So it's the wrong question. The question is, what does Bilbo do with it when Thorin shows he's not fit to use it? Which is a very nice comment, I think. That is fascinating, and I love this idea. Let me see now. Going back to the actual terms of the riddle. <laughs> see, this, this, this would this. If that happens, that would pose a pretty, a pretty puzzle, wouldn't it? If he does give it to Thorin, but then he steals it back from Thorin and gives it to the elves and/or men, then what is the correct answer? Um, I'd be tempted to to scrap it all and say that's E, um, but uh, uh, but of course arguments could be made. Uh, no, I guess that would just be fun because then we could have a, a very rousing discussion on that after the fact. <laughs> but um, I hadn't. It's true that I think the weakness in my own analysis of this is that I had not been really considering that possibility. The possibility of him handing it over and then stealing it back. Stealing it back, yeah. I actually had not either. And the more I think of Alex's suggestion there, the more I like it. As whether or not it's going to send forth a pillar of light, which, by the way, in his description, sounds exactly like the signal going up from uh, uh, Minas Morgul in, in the Two Towers. Oh, that's right. Oh, gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah. So that would be a creepy parallel. Uh, that would be a parallel. If something like that happened. Um, but uh, anyway, um, <laughs> I, 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 but I kind of like that idea. I mean, I kind of like the idea of him stealing it back. Um, I was attracted by B. Um as I recall, and I always recall my own reasoning after the fact very dimly indeed, but um, as I recall, B was one of the others that I was really inclined towards, because um, I do like the idea of him giving it to Thorin. Uh, just in the film context, the way that the film story has unfolded, uh, and, and let me explain a little bit more what I mean by that. What I mean by that is, in the book... Bilbo withholds it initially because he desires to keep it for himself, but then increasingly because it's clear that Thorin is going around the bend about it. And Thorin's going around the bend is simply dragon sickness. Like, good old-fashioned, I want treasure. Like, I value this sparkly thing. Um, uh, it, I mean, it has other meaning to him. I mean, it's it's the heart of the mountain. It's connected with the realm, but it's only symbolic, and it's just a gem. It's a very, very beautiful gem, but it's just a gem. Um, and so Thorin basically threatening the lives of his companions over it, and, th- and combined with Thorin's... Uh, you know, to Bilbo, incredible stubbornness um, and injustice in dealing with Bard at the gate 
shows him that Thorin's not in his right mind. You know, that Thorin's not... Um, you know, basically, Thorin sort of deserves a moral rebuke here, which is essentially what Bilbo is doing when he hands it over. Um, at least that's one way you can kind of think of it. Um, so that works fine in the book. In the film, though, when now we have the Arkenstone as the focal point, like the 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 whole object of their quest you know, was to... And as I've said many times before, they didn't have any queer object to their quest in the book. You know, when, they, when, they're, when they're sitting on the slopes of the mountain um, in the book, there's a very real, like, um, and now what? Like, okay, we've gotten to the mountain. Our whole focus was getting here. Now, uh, what the heck do we do? Like, what's the plan? You know, we kill the dragon? How do we kill the dragon? What, what happens now? They didn't have a plan. In the film, they have a plan, and that seems to me actually a good thing to have given them a plan. So they have a plan, but their plan is the Arkenstone. So for Bilbo to withhold it um, and to give it away, knowing that, the, you know, is basically, it's a much stronger statement. It's not just, Thorin, I think you're being a little bit unreasonable in how you're handling this treasure. I think you're being selfish, and we need to think this through. You know, that's that was Bilbo's position in the book, right? But this this is much more serious now. You know, if he's, you know this is like, Thorin, I know this was the whole plan, but I'm going to single-handedly spend you know, you know, uh, spike your wheel and uh, and derail this entire thing. Um, I'm going to prevent you from succeeding in the entire plan, and I'm going to uh, strip you of this thing, which at least symbol, you know, in a very important and prominent symbolic way, or perhaps even in a non-symbolic, in an actual, um, in an actual efficacious way makes you king, makes you able to rule your people. I'm going to withhold that from you just because, like, why? I mean, right. like, what would be his justification? Yeah. Because right. I'm going to try to prevent bloodshed? Really? Does that seem likely to do it? Uh, you know, I mean, again, he was just giving them something valuable to Thorin to ransom back, you know, because the whole point, the outcome that Bilbo wanted was Thorin, they have a just claim. You should give them the gold. In in a sense, it's almost like shaming him into this, right? Is this what right. it takes Thorin to, to, to get you to give them the portion of the gold which they rightly deserve, you know, which is really theirs anyway? Um, but again, in the films, like that's not... The, in the film world, that doesn't work. In, the same equation doesn't work anymore. Um, is that the way to prevent bloodshed? Giving over the Arkenstone, which Thorin must have at all costs, no matter what? Uh, you know, I don't know. So for that reason, I can really see B. I really can. Yeah. Um, it, but that's why I, I really like Alex's idea. Let's do both, right? Have right. him give it up and say, okay, yes, here is the end of the quest. Let's fulfill the quest. And then as things are really falling apart and the Arkenstone has already been used to fulfill the quest in whatever means, by whatever mechanism that actually happens or whatever. But anyway, once the quest is achieved and we're just waiting for things, then Bilbo makes a statement um, and and swaps it around. I don't know. Um, but I, the, I, I increasingly, I like Alex's idea. Alex, you have, you have, you have converted me. Uh, my, my only problem is now I don't know what answer to... Uh, change to <laughs> because I'm not and, sure what that answer would be 
Chuck says, my question is, when does he pick it up? He saw it, we, he saw it in the last movie and think he was trying to get it while Smaug was chasing him. Does he have it now, or will he find it again early in the third movie? I, I do think. If he doesn't already have it, I think he will end up finding oh, it. Oh, I, I think he's got it. I think there's, yeah. I think there's like a 2% chance or less that he does exactly. not have it yeah. in his pocket. I mean, he never... He never got a chance to even get coy when Thorin asked him the question uh, in the movie, but you certainly got the impression from his face. No, I mean, honestly... That I, he had it. And, yeah, you know. yeah. Honestly, I think that even the... Um, even the fact that we were not shown him picking it up on film was only a bit right. of sleight of hand. I mean, in fact, right. I, I kind of think that's a little bit of a cheap trick to try to drum up, I know. like, fake suspense. I know. Um, frankly, is I what know. it seemed like to me. Because, I mean, it was right there. I mean, he was standing there, yeah. invisible, and he was looking down, and he saw the Ar- the Arkansas not far from him, and then we see yeah. him, like, distract Smaug and take off, and, and like, in the direction that the Arkansas was. I mean, it's... it's I, I think it's... Uh, and then... No, sh- I mean, if he hadn't picked it up, would we really like? It would never appear on sc- on screen again. You know, like we're not going to get a shot that still shows the Arkenstone sitting there. Not to mention the fact it was right there. It was like at the foot of the yeah. stairs, at the foot of the yeah. stairs that Thorin was standing on. For crying out loud, he would have yeah. seen it from where he was yeah. standing. Yeah. Just about. Yeah. I mean, it's it's um, it's it's uh, yeah. So no, I mean, I think he's got it. Yeah, and I, I think can't the fact imagine that Bilbo's he doesn't. Got is going to get established pretty early in the in the third movie. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I think the only reason we haven't seen it, um, you know, the only reason we haven't seen it in his uh, in his in his hands, you know, is because he is um, uh, you know, because it's like they've been busy, you know, they've been yes, running around and you know, apart from that one like sword drawing altercation. Right. Um, they haven't had a whole lot of time to chat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So actually, that's true. Thorin could, at the beginning of the movie, he could, so back to what we were talking about <laughs> before the dragon interrupted. Right. Do you have the Arkenstone? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, well, let's move on to the conundrum, which actually does have to do with the Arkenstone. Okay. And a little bit, a little bit to do with kind of what Alex said. Will it be made clear, clear, will it be made clear that the Arkenstone has supernatural properties? Yes. Oh, you're answering? That's what you're answering? I'm answering. Yes. I'm answering yes. I if the Arkenstone is merely a symbol, if it does not in fact have any power, I'm not saying that that's a logical impossibility. It's still logically possible. Um, if it were accepted as a symbol by everyone involved, you know, especially by the dwarves, it is still conceivable that it could be. You know, like I'm holding the conch, and so therefore I am the king. Like it's possible that that's that that could happen, but you know, at the same time, the way that it's been discussed throughout the um, throughout the story, the way that's that the way that it's come up throughout the film has suggested again and again that it has power. It's possible that that's wrong. You know, it's possible that. Um, that you know when Thranduil was talking about it's giving him the power you know maybe maybe it's not literal maybe it's just <laughs> symbolic now i've got that song i've got the power <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i i i i really i think especially you know even the i don't know think of the carving of the arkenstone that they saw right when they got into erebor 
you right. know? And yeah, it's shiny. And so, like, again, it could be a, you know, a sort of a stylized and symbolic representation of the Arkenstone with the lights of radiance shining out from it. But, you know, I am dubious. Uh, it's just, I kind of think that, you know, there's been too much smoke for there not to be a fire at the end of the day. I tend to, I agree with you, I think. It's interesting because so far we've had, I think, two people vote, but they both voted no. And I, that would, that's, I think that's cool. Love to, if, if either of you want to say anything, please let us know what you, you know, why yeah. you know. I do think yes, and I think it's based on basically what you've said. I mean, such a big thing's made out of it. Um, it's, I, I still hold that it, it's, you know, and Smaug may have meant it when he said it or not, but I do think that it has something to do with, the, it, you know, the, the sickness. You know, it's Arkenstone sickness versus dragon sickness. Um, I think it. I think it's. Um, oh, Noam thinks it's going to be kept deliberately ambig- ambiguous. So, so he's going to take a page out of Tolkien's book. And you see, no, ambiguous. That I think is perfectly viable. That I think is perfectly viable. That could happen. Yeah. Like, that would be that absolutely could yeah. happen. Um, uh, I don't. I still don't think it will. But that I and could if imagine. If ambiguous, then the answer would be no, because the question is: yep. is, it, yeah. is it made clear that it's supernatural? So I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair answer. Actually, I think it could be left ambiguous. Um, and yeah, and you're right because if we debate it at the end, and even if you know Corey and I may both say, "Oh, yes, it was definitely supernatural," but there may not have really truly been a clear, clear indication of it. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. No, I think that that's. I think that that's possible. But no, I don't think so. And by the way. Um, I'm going to digress for a second. I want to I want to I want to expand a little bit on what I've been about uh, my choice of the awesome versus the likely because you know here I am for instance voting yes on this one because I think that it's that uh, you know it's what the story has been leading to. You're preempting having somebody call you out on this, right? You're well, I'm just explaining. I'm just explaining. Let me explain. When I say what I think will be awesome versus what I think will be likely, I am taking into account what I think would be awesome in this story. So that has been... The framework of that has been altered with each film. That is, I'm not simply... Because to me, it would start becoming simply stubborn and irrelevant for me to basically be just opposing everything that has come before. You know, to be like, well, what I think would be awesome is if they had gone in this completely different direction, you know, or like if this entire plot thread hadn't happened and it had gone, you know, so basically I'm, you know, would just be making my own parallel film that no, that has utterly diverged from everything that has actually been on screen. I could vote that way. It could just be like, you know, all right. I'm going to scrap everything Peter Jackson did and I'm going to like imagine my own screenplay from scratch and I'm going to like adhere to that no matter what I see and no matter what happens. It's not that I think that would be a totally inappropriate thing to do. It would be an interesting kind of activity, but that's not what I'm doing. And um, so one of the things that certainly informs my, um, my answers in season three here is not just like what I think is most likely to happen in film three, but rather what I think is most fitting to the story that they have already been making too. So, you know, when I've taught, when we were talking before about the, you know, Roach and the birds and the way in which the story has anticipated the significance of birds at the mountain, for instance, um, you know, that's part of not necessarily my arguing that because they did this, therefore I think it likely, but rather because they did this, it would be really cool. If it came, like that would be, that would be good storytelling. I would like that as storytelling. 
Um, so there's, to some extent, some of the awesomeness that I am pointing to is relative awesomeness versus absolute awesomeness. Uh, that is <laughs> awesomeness relative to the framework that we have of the story that is being told. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I do take those things into account, because I, I think that even if they did something that independently I think is really fun, but is would take the story in a direction completely not in keeping with what's already happened in the first two films, it wouldn't really be very good. So, um, so I do definitely take that into account. So. <laughs> remember that. That's right. Just, Everybody just, just that. a little explanation of what I'm talking about fair. there. Um, uh, but uh, now, um, okay. Let's see. Oh, a, a, a new person who just joined us. I think uh, we saw whom I didn't see before. Eust, yeah, Eust? I think Eust. Is I'm guessing. Yeah, uh, you can tell me if we're not pronouncing it right. Um, but uh, is asking, which, which yeah. is a great segue into the last piece of today's it show. It sure is. Uh, this is uh, the Arkenstone as heart of the mountain is magical in itself. Um, you know, that's unclear. It's hard to say because, on the one hand, it appears to be a natural gem. That is, the history of the Arkenstone as it's given within The Hobbit is not that it was a magically manufactured jewel, but rather that it is a gem which was found in the mountain. You know, that was it was mined, and it was cut by the dwarves, but not fashioned by them, not made by them in the way that Feanor made the Silmarils, taking the light of the trees and imprisoning it in imperishable crystals, and the result right. is the Silmaril. Um, as everything that we're told in the Hobbit book says that the Arkenstone was not formed that way. It is, it is, it is natural. It is called the heart of the mountain because, of, because it, was, it was mined from the mountain, hard. you know, yeah. in that way. So it is, it is marvelous, and it, there seems to be a kind of you know, awe about it. Um, but it's not, um, but it's not magical in the way that say the Silmarils could be described as magical or in, you know, because it was, they, they were made by elf magic as Sam would no doubt say, um, you know, in, 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 in Sam Gamgee terms as Goadriel talks about it. Um, or, nor is it magical in this, in, again, in the book, nor is it magical in the sense in which, say, the rings of power are magical. That is, a construction which has magical properties, you know, which, which magically has certain effects on other things outside of itself. Um, in neither of those ways is the Arkenstone magical in the book. That's not to say that there isn't any magic about it, as there do seem to be magic in natural things in some senses of that word. Though, as I've said many times before, the word magic in Tolkien, certainly in Tolkien's later writings, um, uh, is, you know, magic becomes a very... He was much freer with that word. That's one of the things that really strikes me reading the Book of Lost Tales, as I'm doing with the Mythgard Academy class right now. He uses the word magic all the time. In his early uh, uh, in his early writings, um, he not only uses it quite freely, but he he uses it in a much more sort of simple and traditional way. Um, uh, but anyway, um, uh, so okay, so that's how I understand 
the Arkenstone, which again might be described as magical in some sense, but not magical in those ways. And it's in exactly those ways, at the very least, the latter. It does, it is still mined, as we saw in the first film. I mean, we actually saw, you know, the flashback to its discovery in the mountain. So it's not, it, it is still not fashioned by the dwarves. But, um, the question then is, does it have any magical power? Does it have any, you know, by means of magic, any influence or, you know, efficacy over other people or things? Um, and that's where I think the answer is going to turn out to be yes in the film. Um, but that seemed to be no. The answer to that seems to be no in the books, as far as we can tell. Um, so, anyway, that's... Uh, that's my uh, that's my long answer <laughs> to that to that question, um, but it's complicated <laughs> because of the complication of the word magic in Tolkien. Yeah, well, we have. Uh, I'm showing fifty percent voted. Do we have anybody else that wants to vote before we post results here? Um, by the way, I was a yes. I think it will sh- be shown to have some other. I can't, I think I said that already. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there we are. We have a yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Interesting. So uh, we both said yes, and every and almost everybody <laughs> voted against us. Yeah. Well, you know that is where the smart money lies. Yeah. Against us. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and close this out, and share. So this time, instead of fifty-fifty, we've got an eighty-twenty split, with no being the the, the popular choice. Yep. So twenty yes, eighty no. I got to be put this on. Well, good. Well, that um, that pretty much wraps it up. Thanks for listening, and Godspeed.